Welcome to Suddenly Seeking Homeschooling, a podcast for unexpected homeschoolers who never considered homeschooling, but find themselves doing just that. Each week, we'll talk about the challenges and joys of homeschooling with a few practical tips thrown in. I'm your host, Kim. Today, I'm talking with Leah from As We Walk Along the Road about homeschooling multiple kids across multiple ages. Let's get to it. How long have you been homeschooling? I've been homeschooling almost 18 years now. Oh my goodness. Yes. So basically a career. Yes, because I have a daughter who's 21. And so we started when she was preschool aged and we have homeschooled all the way through. So almost 18 years. Now, how old are your, are, is your youngest? My youngest just turned 15. So my okay. two youngest are still in high school. Um, they're both juniors. I have a 15-year-old and a 16-year-old who are both high school juniors. So you, for most of the time, were homeschooling four kids or had four kids in tow. Yes. How was that? <laughs> My hardest years, I always tell everybody, were when my younger two were three and two, because at that point I was trying to do elementary school with my older kids and my younger kids were always into something. My middle one is especially an into everything kid and she would drag the little one along with her. And so if they weren't in the room where we were, there was probably something happening somewhere else in the house. So I had to keep them really close and do school with the older two. And so that was probably my most challenging year ever. By the time they were kindergarten aged, it got a little bit easier. Yeah, I can definitely see that. Once you've done this, you can, the developmental stages are so clear to you, right? You know, like you can clearly see how much different you approach lower elementary versus even upper elementary. Right. (laughs) And then you just progress onward. So how did your big kids feel about having the distraction of your little kids? Most of the time they were okay with it Um, it, because it was just what we had always done. And so they really didn't know anything different. And I've always tried to work toward independence with all of my kids. So that was always the goal in sight from the time we started. And so they had times where they were working independently. And when they were working independently, I tried to move the younger ones out of the way and get them to do other things so that the big kids could do their independent work. Um, So they didn't really I don't think they really felt the distraction part. That probably came more when they were older, like high school aged. And then the younger two were still elementary aged. And would want to come in there and talk and hang out and play. And the high school kids were trying to get work done. And they had a, yeah, they had a lot more to get done. And were like, I want to get this done. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And the younger ones were like, we're already through. (laughs) (laughs) That got a little dicey. (laughs) Are your older two in college? I have one who is in a four-year college. This probably will be her last year, but we're not sure with the way that everything has gone hybrid right now. Um, She's a biology major. And then my son finished an associate's degree in computer science and is looking at going to a four-year school. So you still have your plate full. 
I do. And they're still all at home as of now. So. Well, and even if they weren't, they'd probably be back home at this point. Probably they would be back home now anyway. My older daughter goes to a local college, so she never lived on campus. All these people who are um, having to homeschool unexpectedly, not really their first choice, and are worried about failing their fourth grader. What words of encouragement would you give them? I had an experience, actually, this was with my oldest. We got into a struggle when she was in upper elementary school. Looking back, as a high schooler, we had her diagnosed, and she is on the autism spectrum. She has Asperger's. At the time, I didn't know that. I just knew that we were having some struggles. And so I debated putting her in school for a year. And I talked to a wiser, older homeschool mom mentor that I had. And I was like, I'm so worried that if I put her in school, she's not going to learn anything. And because she was really advanced at the point that we were in homeschooling. And I thought she's going to be so advanced for her grade level, but she's young for her grade level. So she needs to go in that grade. And the mom sat me down and was like, you need to stop worrying because one or two years is not going to ruin your child's educational future. You just have to look at it as it's one or two years and we have to do what we need to do. And if that's what you need to do, it's going to be okay because then you're going to, you know, in the big scheme of things, it's such a short amount of time. And it really did help. We ended up not putting her in school, a bunch of different reasons, but it was true. And it made me feel so much better over the years as things happened and homeschooling might get interrupted for a while. I could see the bigger picture and see that that one year wasn't really going to fail my child in life. What a wise woman. She was. Because <laughs> it can feel, you know, you feel like carbon being turned into a diamond. That's the amount of pressure you can feel with all decisions. And then you add, you know, a worldwide pandemic and all of the other things going on in the world. And it can feel so heavy. Yes. And so it can be very hard to have perspective. Yes. You know, and I, one mom was like, but you don't understand. I really can't do it. And she, her daughter was in fourth grade. And I was like, well, how much do you remember from fourth grade? Not much. (laughs) And she was like, oh, okay, good point. I was like, I mean, I think that we should try to progress as much as possible. But I think there's a lot of importance in living through a historic time. Yes. And taking a moment to take a breath and just be like, you know, no one else will live through something like this for a very long time. This is an interesting time to live. How is it different from the 1918 pandemic? Right. And and just kind of taking a step back and just being like, it's going to be okay. It's yeah. going to be okay. We're probably not going to mess them up any more than we've messed them up so far. Well, and I've told several moms, if all you do all year long is read really good books and have really good conversations about them, look how much you've learned. Right. Throw in some science experiments and talk about them, too. And, you know, you've got it going on. (laughs) Yeah, this is my first year teaching our homeschooling high school. And um, everyone's been like, are you really worried? And I'm like, nope. (laughs) Nope. No. And, you know, luckily, I have taught college classes for a long time, so I can see what comes up 
on the other side. And that's very comforting because I have seen the full spectrum go into a college classroom and do very well. And, um, and the full spectrum being very well prepared and doing poorly or being poorly prepared and doing well. I mean, I've just seen it all. Right. I think for me, it was more like at this point I was like, what do I need to do to get him prepared for the next step the best way I can. And I kind of looked at high school, like we're moving into that independence. Yeah. Either it's going to get to the point where it's important enough to him that he wants to move forward and progress. You mentioned good reading. What is your favorite topic to teach? My favorite topic to teach is literature and all things language arts, but especially literature. So we are opposites. That's nice. Yes. Science, although I have to say that as a homeschool mom, I love science. I hated it when I was in school and now have the perspective that it's really what I was taught from and not the subject itself. And so give me some good science readers. And I am all about learning with my kids. I've had the most fun relearning science or really learning it for the first time because I didn't learn much in high school. My kids are not great. Re- well, I have one kid that reads really, really fast, but doesn't retain anything. How that's helpful. I don't know. But he'll tell you he's done with his reading. And then one of my children is dyslexic. He loves stories and we do a lot of audiobooks and things like that. But anything in terms of writing, the elements of language arts are very difficult. His, his understanding of how language goes together is very abstract because of his dyslexia we at this point i outsource our language arts to protect all of us um tell me you know having come from the different side of that your what your experience in language arts has been like in your homeschool yes i i just because i love language arts and literature doesn't mean that all of my children do um so i have my son who wanted to read as little as possible and write even less. We actually have a story of one point when he was in elementary school, we were reading Prince Caspian and I had been reading most of the book aloud, but I decided this particular day to go send them in their rooms to read the chapter alone. And then we were going to come back and do the activities together. And he proceeded to lay on his floor and wail about how long it was going to take him to actually read a chapter of that book. And I said, fine, you know, go ahead and wail it out and then read the chapter. And so by the time he stopped and read the chapter, he came out and he said, it really didn't take me that long to read the chapter. And I said, no, it took you longer to cry about it than it took you to actually read the chapter, didn't it? So not all of my kids love literature the way I do. Some do. And then I also have had the experience of a child who didn't read until really late. And that's one thing that I try to encourage parents about, because I think reading is a very developmental thing. And we assume that every child should be able to read in first grade or kindergarten or whatever grade you pick. And not every child is developmentally ready to read. And that doesn't necessarily mean that you have a problem. It can mean that there's going to be a long term problem. But also, we need to kind of step back and make sure we're not pressuring that child because that's going to contribute to the problem. My youngest entered her second grade year and she couldn't even fully identify every letter sound. And I was starting to get worried because I was a special ed major in college. And so I had taught special ed before I had my own kids. And 
So I kept thinking, you know, should I should I pursue this? Should I refer her? What should we do? And probably if she had been my first child, I probably would have been doing something. But because she was my fourth and I was more laid back, it's like, okay, let's just see what happens here. I'm going to keep reading to her and keep encouraging her. By the end of the year, she was reading chapter books and it was fine. And she was exactly where most second graders are. But if I had pressured her, I think that I could have turned what wasn't a problem into something that was a problem. And again, that's not saying that some kids don't have legitimate problems. And that's part of being a homeschool mom is kind of experimenting and figuring that out for your own child. And you're going to know your child better than anybody. So when you see that struggle, you know, you're going to have that internal mom sense of maybe I need to back off or maybe I've backed off long enough and now I need to intervene. And especially if the child themselves is, is struggling with it, right. if they are upset and worried and frustrated, then it's time to get some help and figure out what's going on. Yeah. yeah. And I would say, you know, having two children who have different language disorders, one of our kind of telltale things when we finally got evaluations and stuff done was they said, you know, you look for unevenness, like one day they have it and the next day they don't. That's not normal, right? Like they'll have a skill for three weeks, but then they wake up the next day and they don't have that skill anymore. That's when you start, okay, well, what's happening? There's some kind of wiring issue that's preventing something versus like, they just need a little more time to understand that these things go together. And as you progress, you begin to see that more clearly. I think it's real easy, especially now because we want kids to read so young. Yeah. To be like, oh, my gosh, my kindergartner turns her letter, her B's and D's the wrong way. Or so she must be dyslexic. And it's like, no, so much of this is developmental. Right. Like um, and both my boys were in speech. And I remember when they got released from speech, they still didn't have all the sounds. And the speech teacher was like, they don't get all the sounds until like third grade. Right. Like they don't, they're not considered developmentally appropriate to articulate them. And she's like, and that's why kids struggle to spell because they can't articulate the sound. So therefore when teachers are like sounded out, they can't make the sound (laughs) to to spell it. So yeah, I agree with you completely. I think it's, um, there's a rush sometimes to think something's not normal. Yes. Outside of normal development. And I think sometimes it's because we have such a, a narrow view of what normal yes. is when it's really much, much larger, much broader. OK, I'm just going to be honest and tell you, I love stories, but I and love reading, but I hate reading aloud. <laughs> How did you keep your energy up? And excitement up for reading aloud. Is it just something that you love to do naturally? I do love to do it naturally, but I know that not everybody does. And my kids loved to hear me read aloud for the most part. And I mean, I read aloud to my high schoolers as of last year. This year, we don't really have time. And so we're not reading anything aloud currently. But but we kept on reading aloud and kept on reading aloud. But I know that not everybody loves it. I think my husband, for example, he does not like to read aloud. He is dyslexic and struggled when he was in school. And so now he can read, 
but it frustrates him to read aloud because he might miss words or not make those connections. And I know that there are parents who don't love that, but there are so many resources available with audiobooks now that you can find almost anything that you want to on an audiobook and listen to somebody else read it aloud. Somebody who is excited about it and can do all the voices and all of that good stuff. And so kids can still hear it read aloud, even if it's not particularly you doing it. My younger girls especially also liked to read aloud to me when they got to a certain point. And so reading aloud wasn't just necessarily me reading aloud. It was taking turns reading aloud with them. Be nice. So, yeah. You don't think audiobooks are cheating, which oh, is right. good to hear. And of course, the research says it's not, right? right. Like we know, um, we call it ear reading. You can ear read or you can eye read in our yeah. house. We do a lot of ear reading. And that's kind of how I've gotten out of doing audiobooks. We used to live where we always had to commute, like everywhere. And so we always had car time. Yeah. To listen to plenty of books. Now we live in the city and everything's a five minute drive. Now we're in the car all the time, but it's five minutes. Right. Not enough time to read a story. Not enough time to read a story. But we we found other ways to do it. And I have found that because we did that early on, that my kids do pick up audiobooks a lot. Like they'll be like, hey, can you get this from the library for me? Or is this come out on Audible? Blah, 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 blah. So I yeah, there's lots of great resources. So I'm glad to hear you're a proponent of using what you have. One of my son's teachers told me to um, look for videos on YouTube of them reading, like even like high school literature. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I had no idea. It aged me. I was like my 45 year old self is showing because (laughs) I would have never thought to look for that on YouTube. Yeah. For books. So it's an experience. Well, I think kids can learn many of the same things by listening to an audiobook. They can learn the rhythms of good sentence structure and good vocabulary, and their comprehension can increase all of that by listening as well as by reading it themselves. Tell my listeners about your offerings that you have. Now, you have a blog. Yes, I have a blog as we walk along the road. And I do create some digital products. I have a few unit studies digital that I sell in my store. And then I just recently started a membership where you can get a monthly literature unit study every single month and access to a library of literature based homeschooling resources as well. So that's brand new and it's called Down the Literature Road. And um, I have several moms who are really, really excited. I put the book list in the resource library. And so everybody knows what to expect for this year's unit studies. And they're very excited about some of the upcoming ones. So it's it, that's going really well. And I think that, too, helps moms who like to do literature-based homeschooling but don't want to spend hours searching and searching for the right unit studies online because that can be very time consuming. So this is going to provide it all there right in one place where they can get it easily every month. So your unit studies are literature based in this program. Now, are these things where you would suggest all the kids try to combine so that like the family is doing a study or each child kind of do their own with mom? 
it's more family based. I choose books that are geared toward like second to eighth graders. But then I'm also including some activities and resources that moms can add for their older or younger kids as well. So I'm hoping that you can do this with the majority of your family, because I think that's one of the values of unit studies. When you have everybody learning together, you have everybody contributing at a different level. And so your older kids might learn something from the younger ones or the younger kids might learn something from the older kids. I've I've made them with the hopes that you can do them with at least a chunk of your family together can use them. When you say unit studies, just because I have a lot of people who are new to homeschooling, can you explain a little bit what you mean by that? Yes. So in a unit study, there's one main topic or theme and everything that you're learning is centered around that theme. So in these literature unit studies, there's one book that we use for the core book for the month. And then around that book, you're going to learn history. You're going to learn science. You're going to learn language arts. But it all centers around the material that you're reading in the book of the month. For example, the book this month is The Orphan Band of Springdale. It's a lesser known book, but it's one of my favorites. And it takes place at the very beginning of World War II. And so some of the things that we're learning have to do with World War II in history. Uh, there's some science involved because there's carrier pigeons in the book. And so they're learning about pigeons and about carrier pigeons specifically with some science research. And then I also include notebooking pages so you can create a notebook for each unit study as you go along. But really, the main the main thing that makes it a unit study is having that one core topic that everything else comes off of. All of your learning is related and connected. You would say the big advantage to unit studies is that you can combine so many ages and get so many topics covered and do it as a family versus maybe mom trying to read six different books yes. to be yes. able to discuss it. Yes, absolutely. And I've also seen with my own kids, when everything can be connected around one theme or topic, kids retain it better. So if you're doing one thing in literature and one thing in history and one thing in science and it's all separate, then your kids are having to build connections for each of those separate things. But when you use a unit study and there's one core topic, then your kids are getting it all connected to that central theme and it helps the connections in their mind to be stronger and their comprehension to be greater. Yeah, because you're making more connections to the same thing. So yeah. I always, it's like having more access roads. That's how right. I tell my kids. The more access roads you have, that means if one's blocked, you That's can right. get it from the other angle. I'm at it from a different way. <laughs> what you're building out is from second through eighth grade, because you know, those little bitties, and we said this early on, those, those early elementary years are so precious and special. Yes. <laughs> But they're definitely, I often have to warn people because they'll say, well, I have a kindergartner, a first grader, and a third grader. I'm like, well, your kindergartner and first grader are going to do very, very different work than your third yeah. grader. And they might want to tag along, but your expectation of yeah. them understanding is going to be a lot lower. So, you know, your, your, if you have little ones, they might tag along in your second through eighth book. But what then... You know, you've got two in high school now. You've already had two that have graduated. What do you pick up after that in high school? How do you approach high school? 
So I still like to use something that's literature based for high school. And we've used a variety of different curricula, but I really like the ones like My Father's World, Beautiful Feet, Sunlight that have literature at the core. And then all of the subjects come from that literature. I prefer that to textbooks. Now, I will say also, though, that all of my kids are not the same as me. And my son particularly did not want something literature based because he's not a literature person. He did better with the textbook. And so that was fine. That's what we did for him. It was hard for me. That was probably the first time that I had to realize that I couldn't just give them what I wanted, that I had to look at what was their strength. Um, but we did it. He's my second child. So my first was fine. She loves literature just like I do. And she was all in it for the literature based homeschooling. Nope. And then he came to high school and it just wasn't happening. I do have to adapt to what each child wants, but I prefer anything that's literature based. And most of my kids prefer that as well, rather than textbook based material. I think that's one of the most interesting things to me when you talk to other homeschooling moms is that every single family will do it differently. And it may even look different within that family for each child. Sometimes it can feel like that's not the way it is when you're talking to one style of homeschooler or one person who does this. But the reality is everyone's trying. Homeschooling is a choice that you make because you want what's best. Yes. And sometimes that means that What's best is going to change and adapt as your child grows and develops and your exposure to thing, things change. And I love that you were like, I had to adapt. I just had to make some changes and, you know, roll with the punches. And obviously he's done fine. He's got an associate's right. degree now and then continuing to move forward. So I love that. If you had a regret, something that you wish you could do over in your homeschool journey, what would it be? Okay, from a practical standpoint, I would not change math curriculums 20 billion times, which is what we did. Math is not my strong suit. And so we started off and I really wanted something good that would give them a strong foundation in math. And, you know, math is not my thing. Literature is my thing. We tried everything. And instead of just sticking with one thing and trying it a little bit longer to see if it was going to fit, I would be the first sign of trouble. I was like, oh, no, that one's not working. Let's bring on another math curriculum. And we really did. I think we changed about six or seven times throughout the years. And my older kids both really struggled with that. Now, I will say that once they got to college and took the basic college math, they were okay, but they struggled with the constant changing. And from a practical standpoint, I would say if you think something isn't working, it might not be working, but you might need to give it just a little bit more time to see if it really is working. And even if it's not working, maybe there are things you can do to tweak it instead of just throwing it out. I love that. Yes. I love that. I think that's one of the lessons I've learned this year, 10 years in, that I it just clicked to me with me. I was like, well, if this part doesn't work, I don't have to use this part, but I yeah. don't have to throw the baby out with the bathwater. I can just use this other part that's fine. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and I don't know why. I mean, and I'm a certified teacher. I've taught for a long time, but for whatever reason in the homeschool realm, that just 
went over my head somehow. I don't know. <laughs> right. Right. And I think sometimes, especially if it is a subject that you're not as familiar with, like for me with math, I was hesitant to try to change something in the curriculum. But instead, I was like, OK, let's just have a whole new curriculum. Somebody else is going to do it better. And that just wasn't the case. Yeah, you can't all I think it's the idea that you want to defer to the experts. Right. Yeah. And then it's like, well, none of this is working. <laughs> I don't know what to do now. Probably. All right. So you said that's your practical do over that you would take. What's your impractical or sort of the emotional relational part of homeschooling is that I feel like as my kids got older and did the high school thing, I wanted them to be more independent, which I think is great. But I did still miss some of that connection. And so for us, we've tried to do it by doing family things in other ways. And we have great relationships with our adult kids. And I know that a lot of it is because of homeschooling and because of the time that we've had to spend together, just because practically we've been at home together large chunks of time. And so we've gotten to know each other really well. And that's led to having a good relationship. I would like to still have them be independent learners, but make sure that we have connections more often relationally. Yeah, so, I get it. I get exactly, you know, because mine are uh, and my oldest son wants to be a professional video gamer like that's his thing. And he's very good. Like he goes to the conferences and he competes. And but it can almost be like I like I said to him at the middle of the summer, I said, you know, I just miss you. Right. I just miss you. And you're going to be gone. And I don't want your last years at home to all be on a computer. And I know that you love that, but I love you. Right. So can we just, you know, play a game together, do a board game, just sit and watch a television show. Even I just miss you. And he has been so sweet since then. He'll just come and like hold my hand on the couch. And, you know, um, so I get that totally, completely. All right. So tell the listeners how they can find you. Okay, you can find me at my blog, which is aswewalkalongtheroad.com. And then I have a shop, which is aswewalkshop.com. And I'll give you those links that you can share in the show notes. Um, My new membership is available at the shop. It is currently hidden from the main page because there's no open launch. But you can get in as a soft launch with a sales page link that I will give you. So even though it's not open on that main store page, it will be open for your listeners. I'll give you a link that they can get in directly to Down the Literature Road. (laughs) That's so exciting. (laughs) They will love that because everyone's looking for good quality things, right? Yeah, I think... um, Everyone wants to find the best. And there's something to be said for having the experience of being a homeschool mom and developing something. I think it really makes it a more powerful tool to have. All right. Well, thank you so much, Leah, for your time. I really appreciate it. Thank you. I I will make sure all of your links are in the show notes. And that's it. I just wanted to pop in and let everyone know that Leah blogs from a Christian worldview and um, creates resources from a Christian worldview and the resources that she mentioned, which are all considered high quality resources, 
um, are from a Christian worldview. So if you go out and you're looking for things and that does not align with your belief system, um, you might want to look at some other options and you're welcome to send me an email or let me know if you need a comparison. Thanks for listening today. Thanks for joining us this week on Suddenly Seeking Homeschooling. Check us out on Instagram or Facebook at The Learning Hypothesis for more information on homeschooling and how to customize your unique approach to education. As always, subscribe to the show to catch every new episode. See you next week.